For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson. And we start this week's readout video from our Wednesday Wake Up email newsletter with a slightly grotesque item about a man in British Columbia who claims to have become so afraid climate change might kill him that he's gone to a doctor seeking medically assisted suicide. Which is especially odd since he's an activist with Extinction Rebellion, but he seems to be embracing extinction, not rebelling against it. What's more, if he succeeds in bringing about his own extinction to rebel against a non-existent trend toward increasing climate-related deaths, we won't be made to feel guilty because we've done our part, as have our many supporters, to get the message out there that climate change is not a catastrophe despite what alarmist death cults would have us believe. Now apparently the ground of his appeal to be allowed to die is mental illness. Which is a bit of a catch-22 since if he's right about the crisis, then he's not crazy. And if he is crazy, he's unfit to make medical decisions. And if his real purpose here is to make a powerful statement about climate change, then it's arguably rational in the sense that the means are connected to the ends, even if much that Extinction Rebellion believes and says is, in the vernacular, nuts. Anyway, we suggest that he, like anyone else, get the help they need to live a happy life until death comes in its own time. I mean, it's not like you're going to miss the chance if you don't act now. And meanwhile, you might try studying economics. For instance, it's weird that President Biden is cancelling domestic drilling leases while calling for more production and then begging Saudi Arabia to pump more oil, but won't approve a pipeline from Canada even if his midterms depend on it. But he's not alone. For instance, the Ontario NDP just got clobbered in a provincial election despite complaining about high gas prices, which people don't like, because their plan to fix it was to get rid of fossil fuels and to solve the problems of life, the universe, and everything, but not those of supply and demand. And apparently that party and the rival Liberals both got walloped at the polls by a rather undistinguished incumbent Tory administration because voters' priorities were the cost of living, the cost of living, the foundering healthcare system, keeping taxes down, and quote, growing the economy and creating good jobs, end quote, not pricing gasoline out of sight in order to change the weather. So, what are climate alarmists worrying about instead of what they should be? Well, one is thing is that measures to reduce air pollution have made air more dangerous. Specifically, quote, cleaner air leads to more Atlantic hurricanes, NOAA study finds, end quote. Now, climate has feedback mechanisms that are so subtle and complicated that no computer can capture them, and that mean, yes, it's in principle possible that reducing the aerosol particulates we humans release, which then reflects sunlight, would mean, quote, the ocean absorbs more heat and warms faster, end quote, as NOAA claimed on May 11th. However, it's not really possible that the aerosol cooling effect explains why the models overestimated how much it would warm in the 20th century, because as we've pointed out, the aerosol-heavy northern hemisphere didn't warm a lot more slowly than the less particulated south. And nor is it possible that cleaner air explains an increase in hurricanes that didn't happen. NOAA's May 11th statement went on, quote, a warming Atlantic Ocean has been a key ingredient to a 33% increase in the number of tropical cyclones during this 40-year period, end quote, that is 1980 to 2020. But in fact, from 2006 to 2017, the United States experienced a 12-year gap in major hurricanes making landfall. And as Roger Pilkey Jr. noted on May 27th on Twitter, quote, the past 12 months have seen close to the fewest tropical cyclones of major hurricane frequency in more than 40 years, end quote, as part of a general, if erratic, downward trend. And then in a longer piece, quote, what the media won't tell you about hurricanes, end quote, 
and he ought to have added that the IPCC and the government won't tell you either, Pianchi goes over critically important data sets that are not just ignored by reporters, but are left out of official reports as well. In brief, there are no upward trends in global hurricane counts over the past century, the experts don't claim there are, and neither are the damages getting worse once you adjust for growing wealth and inflation. And now, a word from our sponsor. And yes, it's still you. And we want to thank all the people who've responded to our appeals by making a one-time or monthly pledge. For the rest of you, I really want to emphasize, for us to produce the videos, for us to produce the newsletters, and keep injecting sanity into the climate debate, what we need is for one in six of our YouTube subscribers to click here and make a pledge of $2 a month, $3 a month, $5 a month. That's what it's going to take to sustain our efforts for as long as they're needed. So click here, cup of coffee a month, that'll keep us in business. And now, back to me. By contrast, we know where the seaweed is. It's on your plate. Oh, sorry, the sea vegetable, since it's among the less revolting things that the people living high off the hog at Davos want the rest of us to consume. And sure, it beats bugs. But over the Atlantic's planet, Robinson Mayer's latest inspiration is that we deep-six it instead, creating kelp buoys to absorb CO2, sink, and obligingly stay sunk and not rot. It really makes you wonder if these people have any understanding of how big the planet is and how big the environment is if they tell us there's this existential crisis and then propose a tiny fiddly fix of this sort. Now, if you really want to send tons, megatons, or even gigatons of carbon to Davy Jones and keep it there, you can't beat Mother Nature. As Greenpeace co-founder turned ecological dissident Patrick Moore is fond of pointing out, the development of calcareous sea creatures, that is, ocean beasties with hard shells, has been sequestering carbon as calcium carbonate for hundreds of millions of years. It's been doing it in such quantities, he maintains, that it explains the precipitous drop in atmospheric CO2 during the Cenozoic down to levels that at the last glacial maximum were around 180 parts per million, perilously close to the 150 parts per million at which a real global mass extinction of C3 plants would occur and would kill everything that depends on them. Now, it's just a theory, of course, but something odd has been happening to atmospheric CO2 for a very long time. And when you consider the sheer number of gastropods, mollusks, and foraminifera out there locking up carbon and dumping it on the seabed, what proportion of their consumption could man-made boys possibly hope to match? Trying to beat an ocean full of critters is a bit like trying to fix a global sand shortage by crushing up old bottles, which someone is doing, with the obligatory addendum that while it's construction that is voraciously consuming sand, quote, rising sea levels caused by climate change also contribute to the shortage, end quote. Anyway, the bottom line here, changing the weather by sinking seaweed is not a plan. Indeed, with respect to Earl Bassett, it's not even what you do when your plan fails. It's just silly. Which helps raise the question of how many people involved in public policy discussions generally, and definitely those involving climate, are unsure of the answer to Thomas Sowell's book title question, Is Reality Optional? For instance, Canary Media just published a guest essay saying, quote, a new bill could speed up American electrification by 20 years, end quote. But as the economists like to say, compared to what? Especially since if American electrification means the whole economy gets electrified, it won't happen and can't happen. Not 20 years sooner, not 20 years later, not at all. 
But the idea of this specific essay is to stop all those deplorables from buying AC units and instead get them to install heat pumps because, quote, each day Americans install more than 18,000 new central air conditioner units outside their homes. Every time this happens, families are missing an opportunity to lower their bills, increase their comfort, and even help save lives, end quote. So what are all these chumps overlooking? Well, quote, two-way heat pumps tend to be two to four times more efficient than competing devices, which means they result in comparable or lower energy bills for most families, end quote. And yet homeowners, home builders, home renovators, and other people with sweaty skin in the game fail to notice what a bunch of liberal senators can see from their air-conditioned offices on Capitol Hill. And speaking of things not seen, NOAA also forecasts a long, hot summer in the United States, as Grist, whose slogan, Climate Justice Solutions, has us wary right from the outset, expressed it, quote, summer forecast, extreme heat with a chance of rolling blackouts, end quote. Now, it's a bit awkward that, as we observed last week, there's actually been no global warming in the last seven years to cause this sort of thing. But in the absence of observable warming, what the heck, we've got forecasts. NBC chortles that, quote, cities across the United States are preparing for what could be a sweltering summer, enacting rules to protect people during heat waves, and experimenting with new ways to communicate the risks of extreme temperatures. More than a week ago, temperature records were set in Mississippi and Texas after conditions reached nearly 100 degrees Fahrenheit in some areas on May 21st, end quote. But again, in fact, the latest best satellite records say that in May of 2022, the global temperature was 0.17 degrees Celsius above the 1991 to 2020 average. Is that really enough to shatter records or just to cause media hype? Now, for a change of venue, CDN by the Sea heads to Kigilia, Russia. Despite general support for boycotts during the due to the Ukraine invasion, we figure this spot on Great Lyakovsky Island in the Laptev Sea is so far from anywhere that it doesn't count if we use their data. But if you're rooting for the seas around it to rise and from there eventually inundate Moscow in retribution for its thuggish foreign policy, we have to say, is Vanita yet happening anytime soon? At 2.56 millimeters per year, it will take over 390 years for the seas there to rise one meter, which would hardly be enough to send the population fleeing if it even had one, which it doesn't. And even that number may be exaggerated, because the longer data set shows it's slower still. Finally, CO2science.org is back with more soybeans, compared to which perhaps we'll have the kelp after all. But if you're hoping carbon pollution might put a dent in the tofu, abandon it. Yet another study finds that CO2 helps old glycine max cope with things like water stress, which is not what you get when you're told to feast on algae. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and I'm still living on a land-based diet.